I've lived in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. I have been gone a while, but I am glad to be back. Now, usually, when people think of artists, they think of painters, musicians, singers. But this week, I'm going to go way outside of the box, and I am speaking with an artist of a completely different nature, a martial artist. Now, Damien Wright is the owner of Wright Fight Concepts in New Egypt and a lifelong martial artist, not just a martial artist, a full-contact martial artist, or as he calls it, a full-contact nerd. His experience and expertise in the martial arts are so wide-ranging that we barely had time to scratch the surface. But he is someone I have relied on personally when I struggled with a new taekwondo move or a more complicated kick. So I can only imagine what a great instructor he is with his own students. Good morning, Damien. Good morning. As the owner and the manager of the martial arts school, Right Fight Concepts in New Egypt, you have several certifications in a multitude of martial arts disciplines. Let's talk about all the different styles of martial arts you're involved in. The primary art that I have the most rank and certification in is, for the lack of a better way of putting it, Japanese jiu-jitsu. When I started it, it was only jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu was not that popular yet. But I also study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which confuses the issue for everybody. Are they that different? They have some fundamental overlaps. Japanese Jiu-Jitsu deals with stand-up. So you're, you're punching, you're kicking, you're doing vital point strikes. It has clinching, uh, so takedowns based on grips, ground fighting, multiple attackers, weapon disarms, weapon retention. It's a broad spectrum of things. But the flaw in that is that it's, it's highly generalized because of that. It, it lacks the ability to specialize effectively. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is much more specialized in ground fighting and bringing the fight to the ground specifically. So I found that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu helped me to really open my horizons there. And I think that both arts have kind of helped me deal with problems in the other effectively. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu deals a lot with pressure. It's a lot of in your face, you know, you, you have someone trying to crush you on the ground. So you really have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That has helped me to slow down my fight a little bit, much more effectively under stress, not just in my other training, but in other aspects of my life. Whereas Japanese Jiu-Jitsu is really good at managing chaos, especially if you're dealing with multiple attackers. If you pay attention to one person, the other guy's hitting you. So you have to look at more how the group dynamic works and how, how you organize the group in front of you and how you position yourself. And that's something that I've found in life has, has much more relationship <laughs> with, with how life really goes down. What's the comparison between Judo and Jiu-Jitsu? Judo, it was originally called Kano Jiu-Jitsu. The founder of it was, was Jigoro Kano. The way Japanese Jiu-Jitsu looked at the time, it was very practice by rote. There would be no live practice because there were so many deadly techniques, as they put it, or disabling techniques, that you couldn't practice them effectively and maintain a training partner safely. What Kano did was he revolutionized it with uh, randori, which is, so there's, randori is a free form practice where what you do is you remove all of the deadly techniques and you allow for a rule set that preserves both practitioners. 
So what that did was it, it in, in a way, modernized how jujitsu even addressed training later on. Yeah. And judo focuses on throws and, and less takedowns as they would be generally referred to. There's no real takedowns on the legs uh, anymore anyway. Judo deals with off-balancing the opponent and then affecting the off-balance to take them down. Ultimately, uh, modernized jiu-jitsu tends to incorporate sparring, tends to incorporate, uh, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they refer to it as rolling, which is grappling non-compliant. And, and usually, when you say non-compliant, what do you mean by that? It means... Someone that's not giving in? Yeah. Would you ever have a compliant... Goshinjutsu randori, Goshinjutsu literally just means self-defense method. Practicing self-defense in a randori format, you grab my, my neck and I do this disarm, and then you're, you're giving me the specific attack that I'm specifically defending. Yeah. In a randori format, you may give me any number of attacks, and I don't know what you're mm -hmm. necessarily going to produce, and if I fail to meet the, the demands of the technique, you're still resisting me. You're not doing the best you can to beat me, you're just doing the best you can to employ that attack. Yeah. And then you're resisting enough for me to either do the technique or figure out, okay, that's not working. What's my next variation? The ultimate purpose is to avoid freezing. Tell me what other martial arts you are training in or certified in or teaching. Teaching is mostly Japanese jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, and Japanese swordsmanship classes. Now, my Japanese jiu-jitsu, I specifically teach a style that is a modernized style called Nagasuru. Nagasuru means to let flow. Grandmaster Wayne Ford, he passed away in 2014. He founded the style. Uh, we teach and certify in that style now. It's based a lot on modern methodology, meets ancient stuff. So, Daituru Aiki Jiu-Jitsu is its root art, but it also draws from Krav Maga, karate, all this other stuff. Japanese swordsmanship, that was actually my first introduction to martial arts as a whole. My father had introduced me to Japanese swordsmanship. He taught me how to use a wooden sword, and then I, it just stuck. Is that the same as kendo? Well, that's another nerdy conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kendo is a sport version of kenjutsu. Kendo is essentially Japanese fencing. It's very linear, striking with shinai, which are um, bamboo practice swords. Mm -hmm. I primarily teach Kenjutsu and Yaido. Yaido is the art of, get ready for it, drawing the sword and putting it away again. Ah. Right? It sounds simple. It's a really sophisticated art. Are you really interested in um, Japanese culture? Japanese culture was my introduction into martial arts, so I think I've just assimilated an interest in it. It's funny because me too. I got interested in Japan in fourth grade. Around fourth grade is actually where it took off for me too. One of the other martial arts I'm involved in is medieval European combat, so it's full contact armored combat. So that has this historical reenactment element that has kind of drawn me in. You may know I have a second degree brown belt in Gensei-ru, which is Japanese style. I did not know that. Oh, and I have a black belt in Taekwondo, first that degree. That I did know, and I'm very excited to see your post about it. Thank you. What do you think is the, the biggest differentiation between Taekwondo and Karate? As a qualifier, I am also a first degree black belt in Taekwondo. I got it when I was 16. And I also studied a style of Karate called Shukokai. Taekwondo, in my experience, primarily a kicking art. I think, though, that Taekwondo is an, a highly athletic art, and that's its appeal. And so you're constantly throwing these high kicks and spinning, and the benefit that it gave me, a command of my equilibrium. Mm, because no, I know I, what you mean. Balance. Grow, yeah, growing yeah. up, I always got car sick. But studying Taekwondo, the main benefit was I just was able to command my equilibrium better. Karate had an, a component that my Taekwondo training lacked. In Shukokai, we would do our various kata, and then we would analyze it, and we'd go, okay, break it down. What are these moves used for? What is it a defense against? Correct. Karate also will have things like sweeps and takedowns, um, not as dynamically as Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, 
but it, it touches on it a little more. How much of a role did bullying play in your decision to become involved in the martial arts? I was bullied a lot when I was a kid, and a buddy of mine stood up for me. I had to have been about six or seven at the time. I was walking home from my aunt's house, and these three kids jumped me. I remember they beat the heck out of me, threw me through a garage door, and my friend ended up standing up for me the next day in school. His name was Ernest. But I never confronted my own bullies after that. I didn't have to. I, I don't, like, he stood up for me, yeah. and then the bullies kind of left me alone. Yeah. And that sort of, in its own way, taught me a lesson that if I stand up for other people, then their bullies go away. And really, the best way to get rid of a bully is to have a buddy, you know, because mm. bullies are cowards, and they don't want to attack you if you have friends. Now, people tend to think that men are just naturally stronger than women, but I've learned from being a practitioner of martial arts that it isn't your size that makes you more lethal. So what's your take on that? So it's complicated. In terms of physicality alone, in Japanese jiu-jitsu always try to say size doesn't matter. My response is if size didn't matter, there wouldn't be weight classes. The thing that size does is changes the decisions you make in a fight. Men tend to have more, they have thicker bone structure, denser musculature. Uh, there is a sturdier frame they have from which they proceed with greater mass, so greater potential strength and things like that. Now that being said, I've seen a football player come into my dojo where, where he's 235 pounds and he goes against my top assistant who's five foot at best and she's 120 pounds, she usually cuts weight. That didn't end well for the guy. <laughs> she didn't have to kick him hard, she just kicked him in the right spot over and over and yeah. over again. Women I have found in martial arts, comparatively to men, men will have the intrinsic I can do it flaw, where they'll think they got it and they're screwing it up the whole time and they're not listening to you and you're correcting them and they're just, oh, I got it, I got it, it's okay. And they're just muscling through because with their strength, they can cheat certain steps and get away with it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that's cumulative and eventually gets, it drags their training down. Women have the I can't do it flaw where they'll be breaking every piece of the technique down, really understanding the details of it and getting it down very well, very succinctly, and they'll still think they stink at it. They'll be like, oh, I can't do this because they're not doing it as well as the instructor at their fifth try. Yeah, <laughs> it, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> and I see it all the time. As a result, what I've noticed, and I've seen this with little kids specifically, in fact, I've had several groups of fraternal twins where it was a boy and a girl, and in every case, no exception, the girl progressed faster. The boy fooled around more. It was just like the boy wanted to exert energy and the girl got cerebral about the techniques. Now yeah. that being said, if you have an MMA situation where you have a 135 pound woman and a 135 pound man and they have all the same tools, you're gonna have a problem. Yeah. So ultimately, if, if strength is not equal, whoever is more skillful is gonna have the advantage. The advantage yeah. If skill is equal, whoever has the superior athleticism is gonna yeah. win. What kind of advice would you give a woman who is considering doing that? Well, first I'd ask her what her goal was. If someone's goal is fitness, I usually recommend something that has a lot of cardio and a lot of dynamic movement, a lot of kinesthetics, something like Taekwondo or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. If we're talking about self-defense, the, the first thing I would tell them is to get in a martial art that does live training and live sparring. Sparring is meant to teach you how to deal with timing, distance, balance, and movement in motion with somebody who's trying to do it to you too. I would give advice to a woman where I would say you really should get into any martial art that has that element. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu comes up again because it, it's live almost from the get-go. You're constantly training live. There's constant pressure. 
I hesitate to recommend Krav Maga because Krav Maga tends to go in very much the combative direction. And again, it doesn't deal with a lot of the self-defense aspect. If you are able to get a female instructor in any capacity, even if it's an assistant that's there, that's a really, really good sign that you're in a good spot. Getting a woman's perspective is, is valuable. What I would not recommend is a crash course women's self-defense class. Women's self-defense courses can sometimes teach you tricks and then trick you into think they work on the yeah, street. Yeah, But it brings me to another point, the whole idea of balance you brought up before, which is a really great reason for women, especially older women, yes. to take Taekwondo. As you get older, your balance dissipates somewhat. So if you're doing something like Taekwondo, you're really building up your, your ability to stay balanced. Certainly. Also, not just balance, especially if you're aging, you're using your joints more productively. So you're actually yeah. avoiding degenerative knee right. issues, hip issues, yeah. things and, like and that. And as well as uh, bone density. Absolutely. The type of fitness that comes with age is, it's very different. You know, when, when we're young, we're like, oh, we want that beach body. When we're middle-aged, we're like, well, I want my blood pressure to go down. I want my bones to be <laughs> I want, dead. You know? I want both. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a whole different definition of fitness that we have. So... Martial arts, do you consider them arts? Yes, mainly because their main vehicle of existence is self-expression. As a teacher, I am expressing some element of myself in that art. Now, the difference is I learned a series of movements that are called jujitsu, and you're gonna learn the same curriculum out of the 215 techniques or whatever um, that you have in your system. There's gonna be 20 that you're, you're good at. There's gonna be 10 that you like, and there's gonna be five that you can't live without. And your 20, 10, and five are gonna be different than my 20, 10, and five. It means that we're both interacting in the same art, but we're both expressing ourselves through the vehicle of that art. So obviously you can fight and you can handle weapons. Tell me about a time that you had to use these skills in real life. I was in a band. And uh, we, we used to go to this pub. I can't really name them because I don't want to sure. sully their reputation. But we were going there after a show. We're, we're drinking and um, we have a, a buddy who was out on the dance floor and doing whatever. And I guess there was a frat party going on uh -huh. and a fight broke out on the dance floor. Now, at the time, I didn't feel like I was in danger. I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's a fight. That's a fight happening. And... One of my bandmates goes, oh, man, Eric's out there. So I just, i like, all right, hold my beer before that joke was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I waited in. And luckily, most of them were taller than me, and they were swinging for the head. So I, I, a lot of my situational awareness came in handy when I was wading through trying to get to our friend. And I got to him, and I grabbed him, and then he swung at me. <laughs> So I ducked, I was able to slip and move. And I was like, Eric, it's me. And he looked at me and it took a second from the process. And so I, I was trying to pull him away. So I didn't swing a punch, didn't throw a kick, didn't do anything, but, but situational awareness had me go into the situation and come out mm -hmm. unharmed. And so that was, a, that was a funny story. It's my sincere hope with my students that they never ever have to use this in a fight. I, I unfortunately I, I can't say that I've, I've been in situations where it has definitely availed me but I think what it teaches me the most is how to get away from a fight what are the Leeds devils and do they really do <laughs> armored combat <laughs> ah yes um, so one of the things I've been doing since I was 17 is medieval European combat specifically reenactment uh, usually with the society for creative anachronism the medieval scenarios and recreations is the 
group that I'm more involved in, they're a sister organization. Basically, you get in 65 pounds of armor and you fight and it's with wooden weapons and full contact and all that. So that's not what the Leeds Devils thing is. There's a next step up from that and it's steel weapons and they wear heavier armor. So the difference is there's no thrusting because you have steel weapons. Um, and whereas with the wooden weapons, it's an honor system where if I hit you and you feel like a real weapon would have killed you, you fall down and die. If not, then I just keep hitting you until you go away. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this, you have to knock them down. Like it's, it's a knockdown drag out. And so there was this show on the History Channel some time ago, Night Fight. It was uh, one of the producers, is Andre Sinu. He's a very good friend of mine. I've known him for many years. Um, and he and I spoke along with a very dear friend of mine and a student of mine, Paul Kennedy. And we figured out how to do this as a class and as a team at the school. So there's a, there's a worldwide league called Armored Combat worldwide they, they compete all over the world i mean they've done competitions all over europe all over you know south america all mm -hmm. different places and so he forms chapters like local chapters that then compete in chapter matches and stuff like that so we didn't have a new jersey chapter so my school became the host of the new jersey chapter mr paul kennedy's the captain of the new jersey chapter of the leeds devils or, or the leeds devils name of the team and they started oh man probably about a year ago or less. And since then, we've had two chapter matches. Well, you had a medieval armed combat event recently, right? Where, yeah, where yeah. They, well, they staged fights using the medieval yep, weapons? Yep, it was August 14th. There was a chapter match between the, the New Jersey Leeds Devils and the New Hampshire uh, Liberators. And, uh, Who won? Uh, uh, the Leeds Devils, 11 nothing. Woo! So, yeah, oh, yeah, the Leeds <laughs> Devils have won every chapter match we've, we've thrown them into. Um, they've gone out to do other things, too, but, I mean... I'll tell you, they we it started out as the newest team in the in the league, small group, but uh, Paul Kennedy has has whipped them into something, and and my buddy Nick too, he's the the the, the second in command of the group. This guy Roland, who's like kind of the sergeant, he's he, he's an old grizzled knight from the other game that I play. <laughs> um, they really really whipped into shape this team that is just incredible, and we have guys who train in the Japanese jiu-jitsu who then do that. Um, I would, too, if I had more time or really any time um, <laughs> to do any of that. But it's it's really an awesome experience because it is entirely full contact. So it gives you that full commitment. and it, Full a release. Lot, yeah. Exactly. And because the goal is to take the guy down, there's a lot of throws that happen. So a lot of the Japanese jiu-jitsu comes in real handy. And I remember mm -hmm. the first chapter match we had, I'm saying, there's a video of it where I'm I'm standing right by the, the list field, which is essentially the ring, and I'm coaching Paul as he's fighting with the team. And he's the last guy up, and he's, he's grappling with this guy, trying to take him down, and he does a full-on hip throw <laughs> that we do in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and I'm screaming at the top of my yeah. lungs because I'm like, I know where you learned that! Yeah. And it just it, it blew me away. <laughs> and man, the sound that that other guy made when his when his armored self hit, hit the grass. Oh, okay. What's the best advice you've received from another martial arts practitioner? I'm gonna quote a very dear friend of mine, um, Grandmaster Danny Bolden. He's a guy out of Jackson, Mississippi. He's a karate and taekwondo guy. He has this simple motto. He has it written on his shirts. He has he'll he'll say it in in the comments whenever I promote a student. Never stop training. Never stop training because it's ultimately, as I said before, your your body is going to change, your mindset's going to change. So there's always going to be new ways to meet those challenges, new ways to train. And sometimes when you're when the goals shift, when you hit a plateau because of something changing in your life and your physicality and your mentality, it's very tempting to give up because it's a new obstacle. And new is frightful. Mm -hmm. But 
never stop training. And what that means is to find a way, find a way to meet that new challenge and find a way to, to express yourself while overcoming it. And ultimately, that's the best advice that I've ever heard. And it's been aimed at me. I've seen it thrown around me, but hands down the single best piece of advice. And it seems like a simple idea. You know, you and I as martial artists are never stopping our training. Mm. So to us, that's almost a given. It's a big reason why everyone's not a black belt. Right. You know, but a black belt is simply a white belt who never quit. Yeah. Well, Damien, thank you so much for making the time. Oh, thank you for having me. It's I'm glad to be here. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk.